Welcome to this episode of Technical Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a Director of Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool for all things tax, trust, pensions, and much, much more. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Claire Trock, a fellow Technical Connection Director today. Hello, Claire. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Eddie. I'm looking forward to this chat today. Yes, and before we uh, talk about our, our subject, which is going to be Pensions Awareness Week, um, I always like to be prepared myself. I've got uh, one of my favourite teas, uh, a gunpowder, Darjeeling. Um, what have you got today? Well, as you know, I love my tea and I have a very, very large mug of white tea. And that's not tea with milk, that's actual white tea. Um, I'm very specific about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and you introduced me to the, uh, to the white teas. Uh, so uh, I've got a lot to thank you for. Well, I always say it's like green tea, but tastes nice. Um, So you kindly um, have set aside some time today uh, to talk about Pensions Awareness Week. This is this must be like Christmas for for you, Claire, your your favourite week of the year. Um, So I suppose the, the first question is, why do we need Pensions Awareness Week? Well, I think it's safe to say whenever I talk about pensions and I know it's my passion and what I do day to day, people roll their eyes. You know, pensions is seen as boring, something they don't need to think about until a long time in the future. I was just looking at my own pension savings yesterday, and and I know I'm in this industry, um, and I was thinking, actually, how long is it until I'll be able to access access my pensions? Not that I'm leaving, Eddie, I should just say, Um, but just the fact that how long have I got to save? How much do I need to get in there? But a lot of people don't think about it on a regular basis. So it's it's nice to have a, a week that uh, just reminds people of the, the fact that we will need money to live on when we retire. We have all sorts of different days, like love your black cat day, talk like a pirate day. I think we should have more pensions days uh, in, in my world because actually they're much more important than learning to talk like a pirate. <laughs> and um, uh, so, sort of I've been uh, looking at questions, I think, that advisors would be asked by clients in, in Pensions Awareness Week. And, and, and I thought what I'll do is, is chuck some of these questions at you, and we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. Um, so I suppose one of the first questions is around: Are pensions a safe place uh, to invest? They hear about all these changes in the news. What would you say to that? Yeah, they are. But again, you still need to be mindful about anyone who's contacting you, uh, wanting to, to to help you with your pensions. It is illegal to make cold calls about pensions, so you might have heard about that. And we did hear that. There are a lot of scams out there uh, with people being uh, tricked into accessing their pensions to invest in things that seem too good to be true. And it's safe to say if they seem too good to be true, then they generally are. But pensions in their in their true sense, if you're invested in a in a pension, in a regulated pension scheme um, that um, you will be protected under certain protections. Um, So should anything happen to the provider, then they will be protections there. Um, And uh, it's much safer than it has been in the past. There is a lot of regulation. Our advisors that we're talking to on a daily basis and the providers spend a lot of time meeting all the requirements from all the different regulators uh, to make sure that they're up to speed and they're protecting people from uh, scams and things like that. So anybody who recently tried to move a pension from one provider to another may have had an extra questionnaire, for example, to check that they're not being um, scammed. Um, and it might just seem like a bit of hassle, but this 
source of money is generally the second biggest savings that anyone has. Usually the biggest thing that they've got is their house. And the next thing that they've saved over their lifetime will be their pensions, mainly because they can't get their hands on it until they get to retirement. So it builds up and it builds up, which is absolutely brilliant. But if you're investing in a regulated scheme with, and you're taking regulated advice, so not just advice from any random person, make sure whoever's giving you advice is regulated, uh, then you are in a pretty safe place. Um, and should anything happen to the provider, um, then there is also protections there to protect your money as well. So it's a, it's a good, safe place to invest. Just be mindful that there's always someone there trying to to scam people out of money. So just double think about anything that anyone contacts you out of the blue um, and, and asks to talk to you about pensions. Make sure it's somebody that you know and someone that you trust. And uh, some really good points there. And um, I suppose another question that you often hear about is around accessing pensions because it, it seems so complicated there's so many options how would how would you if you're an advisor how would you sort of explain that to a client i think if you're an advisor then the really good thing is you're going to know your client it's it's one of the rules you must learn about your client so when the clients come to you and they are you've got to ask them loads of questions so um, finding out what they want what they need um, whether or not they're going to need some guaranteed income like a salary in retirement if they're after a salary in, in retirement then we're looking at more guarantees like an annuity but there's much more flexible options and it's not one option necessarily suits all your needs you might have a bit of guaranteed income that you want to secure by buying that income with an insurance company called an annuity or you might be looking to have more flexibility because you've got other assets that you can rely on in retirement we talk about pensions, but actually retirement is much more about lots of other savings as well. So if you've got ISAs or other investments, then they can quite often be that you can use those to provide an income in retirement. But you're right. There are many options. Uh, but individuals will get information from their individual providers telling them what options they will provide. We must remember that all schemes are the same. So you might see something out there um, that says, you know, drawdown is great. So that's when you access as much or as little money as you want as you go along. But not all schemes will provide that. So a lot of older schemes. So if you've had a, an occupational scheme from pre-2006, for example, then uh, the, there may be restrictions on how you can take those benefits. So, again, having those conversations, you know, looking into that and advisors will be doing that. For their clients they'll be looking into it digging into it what options are available and if they're not available should we move them you know that's a conversation to have to make sure that you're in the right place when you want to access your money uh, in the way that you want to access it so there's guaranteed options there's very flexible options and there's always i want to say always there is generally the option to take some of it tax-free so what we call the tax-free cash or in technical terms, pension commencement lump sum, is generally 25% of the value of the pot. Although that can work differently depending on the types of scheme you've got. And some really old schemes have that protected, so that could actually be slightly more than the 25%. So again, just making sure we understand what the individual schemes offer, not just what is generically available uh, when you read up on it, for example. It's funny, isn't it, when you think about jargon, tax-free cash, is exactly what it says on the tin. Pension commencement lump sum isn't quite do it. It's, do it's not as telling, is it? It really isn't telling. But it is, it is technically what it does on the tin. You can only have it when you commence your pension, and it is a lump sum. 
So it does still do what it says on the tin, um, but it's not quite as clear to the, to the lay person out there. No. Um, so another question, and, and this I think was quite fashionable at one time, was SIPs. Um, so another question um, that sometimes gets asked is around, should I just put all my money in a SIP? Uh, is, that the, is that the answer to all my retirement uh, savings? Well, you're right. SIPs were very fashionable and actually they are still a very, very good thing for the right people. Um, what they are self-invested personal pensions generally mean that self-invested. So you can pretty much pick from anything, stocks, shares. You can uh, hire an investment manager for yourself. You could buy commercial property. Um, you can you know, stick it all in cash if you really want to because they'll have a bank account. You know, they, there's lots and lots of options there. But they're quite often more than some people need. You know, um, a bog standard personal pension with a list of funds you know, can be just enough uh, for somebody um, if that's all they want to do. We tend to see people using SIPs in their true form for investing in commercial property. Uh, again, it has to be commercial. You, know, you can't just go in there and put all your money in a pension and buy a house, for example. It has to be truly commercial. So there's always restrictions. When you're talking about pensions, the restrictions on the investments are there for a reason. So technically, you can invest in anything, but you invest in something HMRC don't like, you're going to get absolutely huge tax charges because that's not what they're there for. So um, again, making sure you're doing the right thing. So if somebody comes to you, this is back to that scams thing saying, take your money out, put it in this unregulated area so that you can invest in residential property, for example, take that with a pinch of salt. You know, there's, there's, just investigate things a little bit further. But SIPs are brilliant. SIPs are great, but they are for the right person in the right circumstances because their charges can be very different. They can be flat fees. You, know, you can end up racking up charges if you're doing lots of things um, that you, you don't necessarily need to. And again, advice is key there. I know they're called self-invested, um, but so there's even more pitfalls and even more things that you can get wrong in that area. So, so getting some advice, investment advice and financial advice um, is, is really important to make sure you're going down the right area. And um, another question that, that often comes up is around this concept of a frozen pension. Um, my daughter's 26. I think she's got about four frozen pensions because every time she does a summer job, they seem to give her a pension. Um, so <clears throat> do, do people need to move their pensions? What, what, what should they do? Well, I'm going to start with the it's, there's no such thing as a frozen pension. Um, so the reason people used to call the frozen pension because they think I've left that company. Nothing's happening. It's just sitting there. It's going to stay stagnant. That's not true. Um, depending on the type of uh, pension. So if it's what we call a defined benefit pension, which is really where the frozen pension terminology came from. So that was basically a promise um, to pay an income in retirement. People thought, well, it will just stay as it is. Well, actually, they continue to increase. Generally, they will continue to increase with inflation. So they are still going up and they are still um, growing. So we'll, we'll try and keep pace with inflation to a certain level because there's often restrictions there. Or if you're invested, such as we call a money purchase or a defined contribution pension, where you've got a savings pot as such, again, that will continue to fluctuate with the value um, of whatever they're invested in. So if you invested in the stock market, stock market goes up, your investments go up stock market goes down, investments go down. So they're not frozen. They are continuing to change on a daily or yearly basis, depending on the type of scheme. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to move them. You can move them. Consolidation can be a really good thing. Um, but again, being mindful of 
um, whether or not some of those older schemes have any extra protections or have any extra options. So we look back to some really old schemes and they've got things called guaranteed annuity rates. Guaranteed annuity rates can generally be quite high. And what that really means is the investment company or the, the insurance company that they're held with will offer to um, convert it into an income in the future at a set rate. And that set rate, because they were set so long ago, is actually generally significantly higher than you could probably get on the open market now. Not always. Um, and we have seen annuity rates increase recently. But it is something to be mindful of. The older the scheme, the likelihood, the more of these intricate details that are in there, that moving it might be lost. Um, and just making sure that you understand what you're giving up to uh, benefit from the ease of administration if you've got everything in one place, because that tends to be the driver for this. For, for moving all these pensions into a single place, uh, people go, well, it's easier to administer, it's easier to keep track of. When I move house, I can, um, I, I can just tell one person um, and, and that makes life easier. But just don't give up the, the, the real benefits that you've probably been paying for over these years. And, uh, and I think you did really well there because you didn't make one reference to a Disney film in the uh, in, in a whole in a whole answer about Frozen. So uh, I think you did pretty well. I don't think Tony Wickenden could ever have achieved that uh, that at all. Um, in terms of a uh, question, I think that comes up quite a lot around you know people moving their pensions. We're just following that that theme around the Frozen pension. If I'm moving my pension, um, do I need to take advice? So what, what, what would be, if you're an advisor, what would you be saying? Clearly, you do believe in, in taking advice. <laughs> yes, but, 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 but why, you know, why is that the case? Well, I think as an advisor, obviously, we, we truly do uh, believe in um, taking advice. But I think it's back to those things I've mentioned, you know, asking the right questions, finding out what those historic schemes have whether or not you should or shouldn't be moving it. And again, moving it to the right place. Um, I should say moving things to an online SIP, relatively easy. You know, you can do it. A few clicks of a button quite often can be done online without too many checks as to what I'm giving up. You know, what am I losing? There are particular schemes where you have to have advice. It is required. The scheme that is you're transferring from must have confirmation that a regulated advisor has given you the appropriate advice. And that's these defined benefit schemes that I've talked about. There are other types of schemes that do require them, but generally it's a defined benefit scheme, which is where it was built up based on your salary when you were working there, how long you worked there. And it's a promise of an income in retirement. So you're not subject to the investment fluctuations behind it. Um, those um, have to have advice from certain qualified advisors. So it's not every advisor um, and um, not every advisor will be wanting to necessarily do this. So finding a, an appropriate one uh, to do it can can be a little bit of a challenge for some people, um, but they have to. And there's nothing you can do um, to, to avoid it. But the general uh, thing for me with uh, taking advice for pensions is one, what am I giving up Two, where am I going to uh, and does that offer uh, better options? Does it offer everything that I need? Um, and and just and does it offer the investments that I want to do without it being over the top? Um, as we say about it, going into a SIP when you don't need all those requirements um, is can end up being a waste of money. Uh, so that that for me is just getting the what am I giving up? Where am I going? And is this right for me? Because we are all individuals and we have to remember that that these adverts out there for consolidation isn't for everybody you know it, there will be cases where we'll go no leave it where it is it's appropriate for you 
or you transfer some of them or or, or not. And, and actually, sometimes consolidation into existing pensions that you've got can work just as well. Uh, and again, but you wouldn't necessarily as a layperson be able to, to to work out which is the best of my 15 pensions you've got by the time you're 40, you know, that kind of thing. So um, it's, it is a minefield. Um, pensions are very complicated. I know I would say that. Um, but they they are they keep me in a, in a full time job. So uh, it's it's definitely something that you, you need to really understand before you start moving things around. And, uh, and obviously, we do want to keep you in a full time job. Then, <laughs> so uh, that's important. So keep those questions coming in. Um, one question that does come up a lot is when is enough? And uh, it's a conversation I have with uh, my two children, so 26 and 33, and, and, and how much they should pay in. And clearly, I always want them to put in more money, and they, and, they, and they want to eat and do other things with their money, um, silly things like that. Um, so I suppose, you know, what would you say to, to that question? How much is enough to pay into my, my uh, pension? Well, a lot of it depends on again, what other assets you've got. So you may not be saving everything into a pension, but saving into other vehicles which have easy access is just as important. So making sure we're thinking about not just pensions, but the holistic side of things. Generally, it's rarely enough, whatever we're doing, um, because there are always other things. You say people want to eat, they want to go out and have a bit of fun, um, and, and pension seems a long way off. Um, so I would always suggest as much as you can, um and and that you know there will be people where that's you know unlimited but for the majority of people it's whatever you can the most important thing is to save on a regular basis um get that going as soon as you get a job get that money in and get it coming out before you even miss it because that makes saving so much easier take advantage of anything that your employer is going to do we now have auto enrollment. So for anybody who's earning over £10,000 and over age 22 will be automatically put into a pension scheme when they get a job, um, which, again, is really important because it brings in that savings culture. Um, and But it, it's also really important that that will not be enough. Um, so the amount that goes in through auto enrollment, that's great. It's a good starter, but it's not likely to be enough. Um, to be able to support you in retirement. So taking advantage of any extras that you can get, quite often uh, employers will match what you put in. Uh, they'll give you, if you're doing things like salary sacrifice, so I give up some of my salary, it goes into my pension, um, and then the employer will often top that up with some savings they make on the back of that because they don't pay as much national insurance. So there's lots of things we do to help top it up. Um, uh, but the, the more, the sooner, the better. Um, unfortunately, um, and there's there's no real hard and fast rule. But the longer you leave it before you start, the more you've got to put in, um, and that's uh, unfortunately all due to I was going to a simple thing called compound interest, but compound interest isn't simple. But a, a simple thing of getting the money in, getting it invested for the long term, um, and and that really does make a massive difference uh, to to the that end result of when we finally get there, and we can all put our feet up and and go whatever we want to do in our retirement. I've got the perfect question for you is the next one, because I, I know you did a whole master's dissertation on tax relief. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so this feels like a big, a big one in terms of uh, um, explaining to a client tax relief. How, how, how would you do that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's two issues here that we think about with tax relief. So the first is actually the tax relief. 
Um, and the second is what the limit. So what is the annual allowance? So they are separate things. We must always remember that. So one is how much am I, can I actually get out of the government? And the other one is how much do I put in before the government start taking it back? So tax relief itself, um, if you're putting it in personally, so this is when we're talking about personal contributions out of your own money. Um, if you don't earn anything at all, you can still put in 3,600 gross. So that's 2,880 with a 20% uplift from the government which tops it up to make it 3,600. And so that's free money um, in essence, which is tax relief. But if you earn money and you're earning over that, then basically you can get tax relief up to your earnings. So earnings in the sense of things I do stuff for to get money. That's a difficult thing to say, but it doesn't, things like property, rental, dividends, savings, interest, they come to you, but you're not doing a job to get them. So we, um, you need to be earning the money in order to, to get the tax relief. So that's a simple way to think about it. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's a simple way to think about it. But you can get 100% of your earnings. So if you earn £100,000, um, you can put in uh, money into your pension and get your tax relief up to the, the 100000 You may or may not be able to do that because then we have our second test. So the second test is the thing called the annual allowance, and that's the maximum amount you can save into a pension in any one tax year. Um, it's currently set at 60,000, but you can use amounts from previous years if you haven't used them in the last three years. But the important thing about that is it's not just your personal contributions that is counted towards that. It's anything your employer puts in as well. Um, so you can actually um, top that up. So say you were putting in 20, your employer were putting in 20, generous employer, then um, you're still within that. But you only technically would have to have £20,000 worth of earnings to get the tax relief. The employer can put some in as well. So that's not tested the same. This is why we look at them separately. This is why we take advice, uh, because <laughs> you have these complexities of what am I getting money tax relief on and what am I getting it back? I think the other thing to touch on here is how tax relief is paid. Um, and it depends on what type of scheme you're in. So if you are in an employer scheme and they take the money out before you pay tax on it, nothing more to do. It goes into your pension. It's already had all its tax relief. If you're putting money into a personal pension or a SIP, for example, then what you'll do is you'll have your pay. Your pay will go into your pocket. You then give that money to the uh, pensions company and the pensions company will reclaim the 20 percent, but the 20 percent only. Um, and then if you are a higher or an additional rate taxpayer, you need to make an additional claim to HMRC to get the extra 20 or 25 percent. So if you're a 40 or 45 percent taxpayer, you need to do that. That can be done either through your self-assessment. So if you're earning over 100,000, you have to do a self-assessment, just a reminder. Um, but if you're earning under that, then you can actually just call up HMRC, tell them what you're going to put in within the year. And that's the amount going into the pension and that 20 percent uplift. Um, and so that's the total you tell them and they'll adjust your tax code accordingly so that you get the tax relief into your earnings month on month. So it can be a really good way to get your tax relief sooner. Um, you can do that if you're doing a self-assessment. Just make sure that you realise that when you're claiming it at the end of the day, um, it should all work out because you'll be putting all the details in the self-assessment. So as long as you declare everything appropriately, then um, you'll get anything you've failed to claim. And if you've overclaimed, then obviously um, you'll be owing HMRC money. So do not overclaim uh, when you call them up. But there's many, many options there and, um, to get your tax relief and, and just make sure that you know where, where it sits. Employer contributions, there's nothing more to do unless you happen to 
go over that annual allowance, in which case you need to declare that. But uh, if you're taking advice, then you shouldn't be in that situation. Generally, I say that some some schemes, it will just happen inadvertently. That's all pretty clear. Um, now, the, the, the last question I've got is uh, something that's troubled me. Some of my friends and colleagues um, tell me that they don't give their kids or grandchildren any Christmas presents or birthday presents. What they do is they put money into their pension. Now, that seems, seems slightly harsh. But this, this whole concept of um, paying money into pensions for children and, and grandchildren um, how does that work? What's what, why 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 would someone do that? Well, I mean, probably because the kids are getting enough presents from somewhere else. So we're going to go with that. I'm hoping that they're not just being starved of any of the regular toys um, that they would usually get. Um, but but generally, you know, in this case, what they're deemed as so you pension schemes open for a child. That's no problem. You can open for a child. As I mentioned earlier, uh, you don't have to have earnings to get tax relief. Uh, so the money that's going in, although it's coming from a parent or a grandparent, they don't benefit from any tax relief. The child benefits from this tax relief, even though they don't get earnings. So that means that they are limited to the 3,600 gross or the 2,880 net, which is the amount that the individual will be paying into the pension scheme. So that's great. They put that in. The pension scheme will reclaim the tax um, up to and then it'll top it up. There are some brilliant examples out there of how quickly you can build up money. Um, but for me, I think the real great thing here is the kid gets to 18. They see they've got this pension savings pot. They think that's brilliant. Saving really works. So it encourages them to save. But there's an added bonus is they can't get their hands on it. Um, so it's a long term savings plan. So hopefully it will encourage them to start saving in other ways as well. But it gives them that starter. It gives them that decent amount of money so that when they go to work, they can afford to put probably a little bit less in their pension because they've got that good starter. They can afford to maybe eat a little bit more, go out a little bit more um, uh, and and not worry about it quite so much. But I think it's it's really good because you're getting tax relief for somebody who's not paying tax um, and you're building it up in a tax sheltered fund for the future. Um, and, and it can make such a massive difference to the amount that they've got when they finally get to uh, retirement uh, and even when they, they start work, just seeing that money. I think is a really good incentive um, for them to save themselves because they can see how quickly it can build up. I always remember um, that uh, uh, client sales aid, which showed the, the the guy cycling up the hill or or going up a, 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 with a mountain. Where basically they're talking about the earlier you start saving, the better it is. And and I think yes. obviously that that concept with uh, the, ch the children and grandchildren. Um, also, if you get them involved in it, then perhaps they, they will show an interest in, in money, finance, budgeting. Um, so as, as an exercise, it, it could actually have many, many benefits and, uh, um, and, and, and hopefully uh, sets the right habits. Because that's probably, probably the biggest challenge is the, the habit of saving in the UK has been lost by many people when you used to have the old industrial branch where someone um, knocked on the door and collected the money. Um, it created this habit of savings. And, and I think if yeah, Pen indeed. Pensions Awareness Week does anything, 
it will help contribute towards that that habit of saving yeah and i think we should remember little and often is better than nothing um so even for the grandchildren if they're only putting in a few hundred pounds that's still something that will continue to grow in the future rather than having to go well i can't put in the three thousand six hundred so i won't anything is better than nothing and again for those people starting work exactly the same concept putting the money in getting the tax relief is if you don't do it it's wasted money yeah and um, you've covered an awful lot uh, in, in this session. Um, it, it, as, as, as people know, um, we always like to have sort of uh, three great tips, ideas. So in Pension Awareness Week, um, if you were talking to a, a, a client, um, what would those three tips be? Okay. One, make sure you know where all your pensions are. Um, people lose track of them um, and um, if you don't know where they are they probably don't know where you are uh, so to make sure that they've got all your up-to-date details don't be complacent don't just stop think about what you're doing um, and I know it's hard with uh, cost of living uh, but continuing to take advantage of the tax reliefs and any employer contributions while you can is is important so even if you cut back Try and keep to the minimum that your employer will continue to um, match you for. Um, And as I say, the regular savings, um, just if you can instill that regular savings in your family, even better than just instilling it in yourself, uh, because starting early, continuing um, just just means that you you miss the money less. It's safe to say we all know that if it comes out before we see it, we, we miss it less than having it come in and having to pay it out. Um, so regular, often, um, and sooner rather than later uh, from me. And uh, as listeners know, I'm a huge Desert Island disc fan, and I was listening to one on the train coming here today. So if the waves came in and, and took two of your great ideas away and just left us with one, what is that must-do idea? That it's regular, often, um, uh, and keep that savings culture going. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today, Claire, uh, and sharing your insights. It's, uh, it's been brilliant catching up with you on uh, what is a, a really important week, Pension Awareness Week. Thanks, Eddie. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.